Well, we're in a series um, called Sheep Talk, and it is a, a series on confession in the words of your mouth, and that, uh, you know, sheep are to talk differently than what uh, goats talk. Yeah. Somebody just sound like a sheep. <laughs> and so the way that we speak actually makes a big difference. And um, even the tone and the attitude from which we speak makes a huge difference. And, uh, you know, actually, before I get into that, let me, let me tell you a story real quick. Um, from uh, Young E. Cho, he was uh, pastored for many years, the largest church in the world in uh, Seoul, South Korea. And um, he's since uh, retired now. But, uh, you know, last, I think when he left, they had 900 and some thousand, almost a million members in the church. And uh, Church of Prayer and um, just a, a tremendous, powerful ministry. But uh, I'm, I'm going to read a quote from one of his books here. He said, one morning I was eating breakfast with one of Korea's leading neurosurgeons who was telling me about various medical findings on the operation of the brain. He asked Dr. Cho... Did you know that the speech center in the brain rules over all the nerves? You ministers really have power because according to our recent findings in neurology, the speech center in the brain has total dominion over all the other nerves. This is Dr. Cho talking. He said, then I laughed saying, I've known that for a long time. How did you know that? He asked. Well, in the world of neurology, these are new findings. I replied that I learned it from Dr. James. He said, who's Dr. James? Well, he's one of those famous doctors in biblical times nearly 2,000 years ago, I replied. And in his book, chapter 3, the first few verses, Dr. James clearly defines the activity and importance of the tongue and the speech center. The neurosurgeon was completely amazed. Does the Bible really teach this? <laughs> yes, I answered. The tongue is the least member of the body, but can bridle the whole body. This, then the neurosurgeon began to expound their findings. He said that the speech, center, speech nerve center had such power over all the body that simply speaking can give one control over his body to manipulate it in the way he wishes. He said if someone keeps on saying, I'm going to become weak, then right away all the nerves receive that message and they say, oh, let's prepare to be weak. For we've, for we've received instructions from our central communication that we should become weak. They then, in natural sequence, adjust their physical attitudes to weakness. Wow. Isn't it amazing? If someone says, well, I have no ability, I can't do this job, then right away all the nerves begin to declare the same thing. Yes, they respond. We received instruction from the central nervous system saying that we have no abilities uh, to give up striving to develop any capacity for capability. We must prepare ourselves to be part of an incapable person. If someone keeps saying, I'm very old, I'm so very old, and I'm tired, and I can't do anything, then right away, the speech control center responds, giving out orders to that effect. The nerves respond, yes, we are old. We are ready for the grave. Let's be ready to disintegrate. If someone keeps saying that he is old, then that person is soon going to die. 
That neurosurgeon continues saying, that man should never retire. Once a man retires, he keeps repeating to himself, I'm retired, and all the nerves start to respond and become less active and ready for a quick death. <laughs> I've quoted part of that before, but I thought you know, it might bless us to, to hear the whole thing. And um, you know, the words of our mouth make a difference. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. You know, you know, they also found out that the, the smallest particle can be traced to something called a quirk, which is actually just a sound wave. They found out all matter is made up of sound waves. So if you want something to change you, like Pastor Mark says, you quirk it. <laughs> what does that mean? You speak to it. You know, the last, last year when we did a series on confession, uh, we talked about uh, what kind of speaking this is. This is a declaration. This is speaking from what you believe. This is speaking from uh, your position of authority. In other words, um, I'm old, I feel like I'm gonna die. I feel so weak if I actually believe that. Well, if I'm feeling weak, what does the Bible say? Let the weak say I am weak. <laughs> no, the Bible says let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Let the bound say, I am free. Well, I mean, the world doesn't like that system. They say, can't you see you're bound? Why would you say you're free? You're clearly bound. So don't say you're free. But God doesn't think like the world. The world doesn't think like God. God's thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. And uh, he, he is the way of life. Jesus actually said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance or more abundantly, John 10.10. 10. Yeah. The thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Yeah. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so it really does matter what we say, yeah. what we're saying. You know, you have to give an account for every idle word that you speak. I think some of the, I mean, of course, you'll have to do that in heaven. But uh, some of the greatest uh, hindrance that you have for the idle words that you speak is those idle words may become something that you start to believe. You know, if you, you kind of like meditate on something long enough and then you begin to speak it, you know, even if you don't believe it, but you just begin to speak it out of pressure or circumstance, then those words can get a foothold as soon as it's spoken. I'm fighting with my iPad this morning. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I try to do something new with it, like split screen, and then it's just like... It's one thing to say something because you know that you should say it. It's another thing entirely to, entirely to say something because that's what you actually believe. Well, the only way you can really speak from a deep-rooted belief is you get that belief from the Word of God. You hear the Word of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let's pick up in, in my dictionary. 
So faith. Jesus talked about faith, Mark chapter 11, probably the greatest statement he ever made on the subject of faith. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Have faith in God. Or lay hold on the faith of God. Or lay hold on God's faithfulness. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, that's an act of faith, that those things which he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. He'll have whatever he says that he believes. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. So what things soever you desire when you contact God or look to God? Have faith in God. It's the same thing. He's, he's repeating the same thing in other words in verse 24 that he said in verse 22, have faith in God. Lay hold on God's faithfulness. Lay hold on the faith of God. In other words, this whole proposition is based on God and in him. Actually, uh, you know, in the New Testament, particularly the epistles, you see about 134 in Christ, in whom, in him, scriptures. And I like how you, uh, the Amplified, Amplified and another translation says it. If any man is united to Christ or connected to Christ. But you know what? If you look up that word in, in Vine's expository dictionary, do you know what it'll say? Anybody know? It's actually a binding with an oath. A binding with an oath. To put under or to bind by an oath to put under or to bind by an oath. So if any man is bound to Christ by an oath, well, what do you think that oath is? Jesus is Lord. It's the greatest confession you could possibly make, that Jesus is Lord. In other words, in Christ, in whom, uh, in his blood, in, you know, through him, by him, with him, all of those uh, come from the same word, that, that in that is a binding word. Actually, they have a, a red, hard-backed little Bible called the Translator's New Testament. And it says, like, in translating these phrases, in Christ, in whom, in him, that you cannot separate those two because that is a technical term for the gospel that only really shows up in the letters of Paul. And that you have to be very careful when you're translating those. Because it's not just a preposition, like I'm in the house. No, it's like, through my declaration, I am bound to Christ. Life and death are in the power of my tongue. So we've been looking um, for, for quite a while at um, the definitions in this big Kittle dictionary of faith. We talked last week, faith, it includes trust, hope, fear, obedience. But it also, by very, very virtue of those things and looking to Christ, it is overcoming both anxiety and self-confidence. Do you know you need to overcome self-confidence? 
don't be so self-confident. You don't hear that in many, many leadership teachings, do you? You're too self-confident. Well, this is the language of heaven. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or I can, you know, in other words, when I declare that because I believe that, that is, I am making an oath of a declaration of that very thing by the very definition of what I'm saying. If any man be united to Christ, he is a new creature. United by an oath. What oath? Jesus is Lord. If you confess with your mouth, saying, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, man believes to righteousness, but with the mouth, with your mouth, confession is made unto salvation, healing, preservation, soundness with your mouth, the words of your mouth, okay? So uh, this is why you cannot have faith and worry. They don't go together. If you're full of worry and anxiety, you're not, that's not an act of faith. That's an act of fear. So faith and fear are not opposites. Actually, fear and hope are opposites. Because fear is something of the future that you're concerned about you don't know about. So the act of faith, uh, by its very definition, pistis, or faith, the Greek word for faith in the New Testament, yeah, it is believing God and turning to God, but by its very definition, it is a releasing all that the world has, all of the anxious thoughts, anxiety, the worries, the cares, and the self-confidence. Like, in other words, I'm not doing this on my own. I can't do this on my own. This should be like one of the greatest messages, like that you could tell yourself, I can enter into rest because this is not based on my accomplishments. This is not based on my works. This is based upon the works of the Lord Jesus Christ and the grace, the gift that God has given. And the way that I grab hold of that is I believe the person. Have faith in the person. Have faith in God, Jesus said. He said, like, you're so shocked that I spoke and words created a reality in the earth based on what I said that words changed my world. And the disciples are like, whoa, whoa, what kind of man is this? Like, you're saying all this stuff and what you say happens. (laughs) They'd never really encountered it like that before. He spoke with such authority you know, in Mark eleven twenty three 23, it says, for verily I say to you, Jesus said, that whosoever, that would be Eddie or Jeremy, I'm not going through everybody's name, could be anybody in the room, whosoever, anybody. <laughs> whosoever shall say, you know, that's the Greek word epo, which it means to command. 
So Jesus spoke as one with authority. And he's telling us to speak as those with authority. First, he says, lay hold of the faith of God. Yeah. In other words, he said, I'm an example that you should follow. Do as I have done. So the disciples are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Dried up from the roots. What are you talking about? How did it dry up from the roots? Just with words. You didn't go spray some like uh, uh, poison on it? I was going to say orkin, but that's for bugs. <laughs> Roundup or whatever, yeah. I use crossbow. Anyhow. It's more environmentally friendly. Okay. You don't want to kill the garden while you're killing the poison ivy, but you do want to kill the poison ivy. But Jesus said, so they said, he, no man ever spoke like this before. Speaking of Jesus, he speaks as one with authority. You realize, remember, Jesus marveled at the unbelief. But then the other time that he marveled, he marveled at the faith of the centurion. He said, this guy is not even part. This is not, he's not even a Hebrew. I have not seen so great faith. No, not in Israel. Why? What did the centurion say? He said, I don't need you to come to my house. Just what? Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. This man understood the authority and the power of the voice. There is power in your voice to curse you or to bless you, to bind you or to set you free. Mm. So faith, because of this, because faith is turning away from... Um, all these pressures and, and all of the anxiety and all of the troubles and then it's turning to God and turning away from how you could make it come to pass and what great intellect that you have and great understanding you have. You know, that's kind of in quotes. It is a daring decision for God. When you act in faith, it is a daring decision for God. That I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. I haven't sang that song in a long time. That's a really good song. <laughs> it is faith in spite of appearances. Faith in spite of appearances. Let's go to Romans chapter 4. In other words... I'm not moved by what I see. Yeah. I feel like everything's failing, but I'm not moved by what I feel. Mm -hmm. I'm moved only by the word of God. Yeah. Verse 17, as it's written, I have made you the father of many nations. Speaking of Abraham. Before him whom he believed, even God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. Listen, this is how God speaks. <laughs> if you see something that is a big mess and that is falling apart and that's not held together, it's just, it's just chaos. Well, that's Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. <laughs> And what happened in the midst of chaos on the earth? Mm -hmm. 
the Spirit of God came and hovered over the chaos. And he does what? He brings it into order. He brings life. How does he do that? At the very words of God. And God said, let there be light. And there was what? Light. So God, who uh, quickens the dead, he makes dead things to live. He brings life where there was death. <laughs> Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. When you come in contact with Jesus, you're coming in contact with resurrection power. And everything that happened in the resurrection is actually available in the speaking of the gospel. When the gospel is proclaimed, yes. praise the Lord. Yes. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to everyone that acts in faith. That's the same, it's like, I, don't, I can't pronounce that one. I can only pronounce the pistis one. It's like pistio or something like that. <laughs> to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is a righteousness from God revealed from, from faith to faith as it is written the just, just shall live by faith. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. How shall they believe unless they hear? And how shall they hear unless there's a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they be sent? So in the actual preaching of the gospel in the speaking of the gospel in other words when you or I or anybody else that believes it speaks about the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus then the same power that raised Christ from the dead becomes available at that moment in other words you're speaking it creates the reality of it in your life or the life of someone you're speaking it to. So what, what is the power of the resurrection? I have no earthly idea. <laughs> I have a little bit of idea, but I'm saying like, according to earthly standards, I couldn't really tell you everything that's included there. <laughs> but I know it's the mightiest working of God. And still he said it's like moving his pinky. <laughs> wow. So, but, but the little that I do know is that he was not just raising a man from the dead. Because the man that was dead was the God-man, Jesus Christ. And on him was laid all of the sins, all of the iniquities, in other words, the bent to sin, all sickness, all disease, all poverty, all inability. 
All right, so you can think of any, any situation in your past, in your life, where you have missed the mark, you've sinned, you messed up, where sickness came on you and, you know, grabbed hold of you, where uh, mental problems, thoughts, depressions tried to grab hold of you, all of this, that was all laid on him of every single one. And so the resurrection didn't just overcome Christ giving up his, the life in his body, but it overcame all of the forces of darkness because Jesus defeated them. In other words, what happened in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ happened for you and for me. In other words, I, I don't know what is going on in your body right now. I don't know what is happening in your mind right now. I don't know what is happening in your finances right now. I don't know what is happening in your relationships right now. But I know if there is anything that is to steal, to kill, and to destroy, that Jesus already paid the price for that to be lifted off of you. The Greek word is NASA. For that to be NASA'd off of you. And that becomes a reality through your speaking that it is real for you today, right now. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance. Now faith is substance. Not tomorrow faith, well, that's called hope. Not yesterday faith, I don't know what that's called. But it is now faith. Now. In other words, faith is always now. And so we get, I think we, 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 oh my goodness, we, we um, make a huge, huge, huge mistake for me, when I come to God, and I think I normally call that prayer, but it, we wouldn't always call it prayer, but you know, so many things are included in prayer. But to me, two of the greatest keys in my life to really connecting with God are to come honestly and to come humbly. Humbly is what we're talking about here with faith. No self-confidence and no lack of self-confidence, which you could also call anxiety. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Worries, stress, fears. You come humbly and you come honestly. And so I think we make a big, big mistake whenever we um, are more interested in being what has been termed the word police or confession police than we are in someone's heart. Because I could tell you, you really shouldn't be talking like that. And based on my relationship, you may be able to, that may help you. Or based on my relationship with you, that may hinder you. So you may feel like I'm piling on. And not even sometimes based on my relationship. But uh, you know the devil's working on you when you feel mistreated. So you get in a situation where the devil's working on you or working on somebody else. And, you know, 
You speak out with no context unless you're speaking by the Spirit of God. Because you think, you just know what you've been thinking about. You ever had somebody that like tell a story and they'll kind of like pick it up in the middle and you don't even know like, well, what are you referring to with that? Well, if I go and I talk to someone and they have these thoughts that are bombarding them constantly and they're, they're evil thoughts. And then I say, why are you talking like that? What's wrong with you? Do you understand like... Um, I have just piled on and agreed with the devil. Why is that? Because they're in this, they get in this atmosphere. You're not even aware, unless, like I said, unless you're aware spiritually, you're not even aware, naturally speaking, that they're in this atmosphere. You might could tell something's wrong. But you don't understand all these things have been spoken. And so I think we make a real mistake, not only with other people, but with ourselves. Because if you come humbly and honestly, and you find out that you can locate yourself and other people, uh, if you don't have revelation from God's spirit, by the words of their mouth, then it's much better, instead of coming uh, against someone, but that you come alongside them, and you say, hey, let's, let, let's do this together. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray with you. I'm gonna believe with you. Let's, what, what can we say? How can we? Let's turn this thing around, because I love you. And the words of your mouth are like a sword that is piercing you, when they should be bringing health. And so. Um, We want to make sure that our words are lining up with the word of God. And sometimes if we're so concerned about all these little things, uh, everything that really that comes from God is going to come by the spirit. Paul said we speak spiritual things among them that are spiritual. And then Paul also said in Romans chapter 8 that God's spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. So the primary way and the first way that God's spirit will speak to you is inward witness saying, yeah, you're, you're, my, you're in my family. You're my son. You're my daughter. Which means I'm your father. Right? So you have an inward witness. And so well, with your heart, you believe. With your mouth, you declare. Well, with your heart, you believe. And so um, right there, Romans chapter 8, spirit to spirit. So it's important that when we're speaking that we are having faith in God. Like Jesus said, listen, you got some powerful lips on you and you got a powerful tongue. But this will work as you have faith in God and believe and speak from belief in God. Right? Then you'll speak to this mountain. Whatever the mountain is. Sickness, disease, but, but, but it's all like have faith in God. It's kind of like we, we read in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 about the Macedonian churches. And this they did. First they gave themselves to God, then to us. How do you do that? You submit yourself to God. It's an act of faith. You, you, you say, Lord, okay, I'm not doing this my way. I'm turning to you and I'm doing it your way. Faith is the word of God reigning 
over your natural senses and reigning over self-confidence and reigning over fear. And the way that your faith is going to reign is going to be through your mouth. There's nothing quite as challenging or quite as sweet as speaking the word in the midst of every feeling that's contrary. <laughs> Hallelujah. Dave, where you at? Hallelujah. E.W. Kenyon said he was praying for a lady. Uh, she had sickness in her body. He prayed for her, and the sickness left immediately. But you know her response? She's like, yeah, I feel better, but I'm sure it's going to come back. He said there was a whine in her voice, and that whine in her voice was her confession. So you understand, like, the words that you speak, uh, how do I say this? Your communication is more than just the words that are formed with your tongue and your mouth. Uh, like, I don't know, you know, if you're married, if you've ever had an argument with your husband or wife, I know we never have, just kidding. <laughs> but you know, you could say, you could say, Melody, I love you. But you could say, I love you. <laughs> In other words, you know, I can communicate a lot. I could use the words that would be the right words. But I could communicate in such a way that communicates, I totally disagree with you and I don't mean what I'm saying and I don't like what I'm saying. So in other words, faith will affect your attitude. 2 Corinthians actually talks about we having the same spirit of faith. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. And so your attitude has a lot to do with how you're actually going to communicate. And so what you have to do is you have to overcome uh, the flesh. And you have to say, you know what? I believe this even though I don't feel like it even though it doesn't seem like it. You know, how many days have you been believing for that? How many years have you been believing for that? Why in the world would you give up now? We quit too soon. Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. And so, I want everybody to stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Lord. It's a little different. Romans 3.20, every head bowed, every eye closed. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. In other words, you can't, you can't do this uh, 
through what you could do, that you could work harder, that you could think harder, that you could figure out more. Uh, For by the law is the knowledge of sin. If you try to do it that way, you're going to become more and more aware of your inabilities and that you don't measure up apart from Christ. But now is the righteousness without the law manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation. That just means that Jesus is a mercy seat. Through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the patience of God. If you're here this morning and you have never received Jesus Christ, you've never received the remission of your sins. That means that your sins aren't just forgiven. Yes, they're forgiven, but actually they are removed from you. They're taken off of your account and put onto the, the account of Jesus, and he paid the price for every mistake, every failure, every weakness. And he paid the price for every sickness and every disease, and he paid the price for every bit of lack. If you're here this morning and you have never received the forgiveness and the redemption that Jesus Christ is, if you never received him, I want to pray with you and for you. I'm not even going to make you come down here. Just slip up your hand. I'll pray with you and for you. And in in an instant of time, you'll be taken out of darkness and placed into light. If you're here this morning, you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Jesus said, wait until you be endued with power from on high or wait until this gift of power from on high comes upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. You'll receive power after the Holy Spirit's come on you. Uh, That's after salvation and it is uh, an experience that will so enhance your life and bring so much light to you is such a blessing from the Lord. If you're here and you've never been filled with the Spirit, you'd like to be, just slip up your hand. We'll pray with you and for you. All right, let's all pray for just a second while he sings, continues to sing. Just uh, for your own self, lift your voice to the Lord. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will flood your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. So, Father, we come right now in the name which is above every name, in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for each and every person that's here this morning, for all of the situations, even the ones that only you know. Father, I ask right now that you'll bring light and revelation and understanding, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, in the knowledge of what you've given to us and what you've done for us and what you've done in Christ, that the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with light, light and understanding. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Lord. All right, Father, we thank you for today's service. We thank you for your word, for your precious spirit. We declare we are not under the curse, but we're under the blessing that we're not on the outside looking in, but we're on the inside with you looking out. That you are our father, we're part of your family, that you have loved us and you have made a way for us. Thank you that you are the great way maker. We've decided to follow you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.